Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. You know, there's so many talented people here that want to create things. And, you know, I just feel like LA is a place for dreamers where you can make anything happen. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hi, this is Alexandra Sherstuk a clinical sequencing field application specialist for Thermo Fisher Scientific. I have been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for a little over five months now. It is a great platform that allows voices of women in STEM, such as myself, to be heard, shared, and discussed with others. This podcast has motivated me to be more proactive in connecting with more women within my field and in helping whoever I can with their career in science. You can find me on LinkedIn by the name of Alexandra Scherstuk, A-L-E-X-A-N-D-R-A, Scherstuk, S-H-E-R-S-T-Y-U-K. Thanks. If you too want to connect and collaborate with more incredible women in tech, remember you can go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. So... Right now, for me, it is October. There are over 60 days left in the year. Somebody mentioned to me that their birthday is in January, and that's coming up so soon. But time is relative. And being that I'm a backpacker, and for those of you who don't know, I've traveled to over 100 countries, and I very much understand the grasp of time because you could do so much in even an hour. It's crazy. I believe I, I ran through the Sistine Chapel in 45 minutes trying to make it to my plane, and it was crazy. Like, I really do live life like an adventure on the road. But sometimes we feel like 60 days is so short, like a day is so short, but it can also be so abundant. It's whatever we decide to make of it. And that's so cool, you know? But what I think is different from a passive 60 days to like a conscious 60 days is when I'm on the road and I have, you know, one day in a epic new country. I'm just like, oh, I got to make the most of it. And so to live that day with intention is an entirely different experience to, you know, sometimes as I do, I wake up and I feel like overwhelmed by all the computer work ahead. And I'm just like, oh, let me just watch YouTube or Netflix, you know? 
And that's like a passive use of time. And so when I'm thinking about the end of the year for myself, I'm thinking about what does the most mean to me in my specific journey to make the most of these 60 days? The most at times can mean that I spend time cutting my fruit to be calm. That could be like aspects of the most, you know? It doesn't mean hustling and working hard and doing as much as possible. It's, I think, being as intentional as possible. And I think being intentional is absolutely different than than doing, doing, doing. Sometimes, like, the most effective doing is not doing. But it's just, what does that mean? Does it mean cutting the fruit or does it mean spacing out in a pint of ice cream and YouTube videos, you know? Both serve a purpose. (laughs) But yeah, so I really want to live an incredibly intentional end of year. I want to make the most out of this end of year. I want to really reflect on the things that I want. And for me, that's organization of my mind and of my house and of my digital files. I mentioned briefly, and I'll talk about it more in another personal spot, that like I've been off social media now for about a week and a half, and I feel like my mind has been repairing. It was an impulsive decision because of something else, but I do feel like my mind's been healing. My brain, I should say my brain has been healing, which is a really interesting experience. So what is your intention for this end of the year? How will you make the most out of your hours, your minutes, your seconds for this end of year? All right. Bye. Enjoy the episode. women in tech around the world so excited for our next guest coming at us from los angeles welcome annie good morning told you i go a few octaves up all right annie so let's get into it why don't we kick things off tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do Cool. Well, my name is Annie Burford. I am originally from the East Coast. I'm from Connecticut. I have been doing events for about 13 plus years now. I live in Santa Monica, right by the beach. And I am the director of events for .LA, a news and media company. So let's kick things off. Tell us a bit about .LA and then let's get into your background on how you became the savvy businesswoman you are now. Dot LA is a startup, and uh, we officially launched in January 2020, right before the pandemic. We were founded by Spencer Raskoff, who also founded Zillow and Hotwire. And Spencer has been away from LA. He's born and raised Angelino, and he's been away from LA for 10 plus years. And he recently moved back in 2019 with his family and realized that there was no dedicated tech publication. Like there is a TechCrunch in San Francisco and a GeekWire in Seattle. There was no news publication solely covering this vibrant tech ecosystem that has really just boomed in the last 10 years. Spencer found his co-founder, Sam. They actually went to the same high school and they decided to launch this company and they raised $4 million in about a year. They hired an editorial staff. They hired uh, administrative staff and uh, an event, someone to head the events. So the mission of .LA is to give a voice to the 
founders, entrepreneurs that make up this vibrant tech ecosystem in LA. And what attracted you to want to be a part of .LA? So I was actually introduced to .LA through one of their investors. And so I didn't know anything about it. I, you know, never really imagined working for a startup. But one of their investors who I used to work with at an investment bank uh, came to me and said, hey, you know, there's this position that's open and you immediately came to mind with your background and your understanding of tech. You know, they have a phenomenal founder. You know, I've been talking to their CEO and uh, I'd love to introduce you. So the recommendation came from somebody who I trust tremendously and who's almost a mentor to me. So it was almost like a matchmaking is how I landed here. And the more I learned about the company, the makeup, personality of the company, I just really fell in love with the brand. And let's go back to the beginning when you were in school, or maybe it was just out of school, when you first realized your love for business and technology. Tell me about your early days. Sure. So I grew up in Connecticut, New Haven, Connecticut. I went to UConn, uh, graduated in 2005, and, you know, I always knew that I was going to leave Connecticut, and I didn't know if it was going to be New York or LA, and, uh, you know, at first I set my sights on New York, and at that time I was really interested in doing events, you know, it wasn't necessarily tech. So the first part of my career, I actually lived in Palm Beach and did events in Miami, corporate events for groups that traveled uh, to South Florida for meetings and incentive trips. In 2015, I moved to LA and I actually landed a job at an investment bank that focused on TMT. And in that position, I headed a digital media and tech conference and I was just thrown into this tech world in LA. And I just immediately, you know, was enthralled by it and, you know, living in Santa Monica, Venice area, you know, you're just surrounded by this community of tech professionals. And I was working right on Second Street where there were a lot of startups and just learned all about the facets of the industry, the ecosystem, you know, the partners, you know, who fits where from that inception in 2016. So, you know, this, this has been like a second wave of my career, you know, it's events with tech. What do you think about that? I feel like when we're younger and we're going through school, we feel, and especially for those of us that end up going to college, we think we have to pick something and that's going to define the rest of our lives. And I know my mom is always telling me, like, she's had so many different career transitions. That's part of the life journey. And you just mentioned going through two different career transitions. What does it mean to you? to develop your career? I know that's a little bit of a vague question, but you know, like as you explore what you want your life to look like professionally, what does that mean to you, those explorations? So, you know, initially out of college, I'd hate when people ask a question, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Because I really had no idea. And my dad brought me an article he cut out in the newspaper and it was like event planner. And, you know, this is 20 years ago when it was like, this is, you know, this is what you do. This is the salary. This is the parameters. And it's funny, I still have that clipping. When I moved to South Florida, I did a free internship for a company in Miami doing destination management. And I worked for a boutique agency in Palm Beach for six years, learning all facets of events 
from the sales to the operations to the bookkeeping to you know doing site visits with high-end clients working at you know really prestigious hotels and you know i moved out to la and got a job working for a german agency and you know my career has just kind of taken me on this path to tech you know i knew a friend that worked in an investment bank and they did a you know annual tech conference and you know then that position really prepared me for this position at dot la so you know it's been a general progression of you know events plus tech plus entertainment plus media you know in la which is you know almost if you're going to be in la and do events it's going to be entertainment it's going to be tech or it's going to be social you know and also it's kind of just you know, where my path has taken me. There's a lot of facets of event planning, but, you know, it's a special niche this to do tech conferences, which, you know, this is actually the DLA Summit's my fourth tech conference that I've produced. I think you're right that LA really needed a voice to the city. And we had a, a media publication a long time ago, and it was something that was missing from the vibrancy that's happening today. And the beauty of events and of a media company combined is that you get to celebrate the culture of a city. How do you express that culture in the events that you curate? I love Los Angeles. I mean, it's such a cultural hotbed here. And, you know, it's there's so many different neighborhoods that make up the city. And each neighborhood has its own personality from Hollywood to downtown L.A. to Venice Beach. So I think a big part of L.A. is our diversity and it's the arts. And, you know, there's so many talented people here that want to create things. And, you know, I just feel like LA is a place for dreamers where you can make anything happen. For example, on this conference, I have like, you know, just I set up an event portal that went live today and I have images on the front page. Congratulations. Thank you. you. I have images on the front page of just, you know, of black and whites of Los Angeles, of the cityscapes, of downtown, of the Hollywood sign, of the Venice Beach sign. And, you know, the last night I walked by the, Santa Monica, you know, where they had the the Ferris wheel. And it's like all of these iconic images of LA. And, you know, people are really proud to be from LA and to live here. And I think that's something that definitely carries over to the events. And, you know, the Dot LA Summit, this event is focused on LA companies and Southern California companies. So the focus is is narrow here on all of, and there's so much going on here. It's, you know, it it was almost, it was very difficult to program this conference because there were so many companies and speakers and, you know, subjects that we could have focused on. What's so interesting about having a geographic interest in this culture is that at least currently we are very much a global community. So I think it's a really exciting opportunity to give our global community an insight into what's going on in Los Angeles. How do you balance the two in having a summit that's focused on L.A. during this pandemic global culture? Like, what do you do as an event organizer to kind of bring harmony to those two worlds? Sure. So the most obvious one is that we're meeting virtually. We're not meeting in person. It's a whole new world. This is the first virtual summit I've done. So, you know, a question, it's like, how do you replicate what people do at a regular conference, you know, when you're meeting somebody getting coffee and you exchange business cards and grab a drink with somebody at the hotel bar, you know, it's like, there's so many of these intimate moments 
you know, and it's also when you can see somebody face to face and interact and, you know, it's almost the relationship's a lot more meaningful. So it's like, how do you recreate that? So we've tried a few different things. We're embedding the conference in a portal where attendees can actually set up one-on-one meetings. They are going to be video meetings. Attendees can set up profiles. We have two networking events. You know, there's going to be the chat during all of the sessions. So we're doing our best, the best we can to replicate what you look for at a normal conference. Of course, there's some things that are impossible to replicate. We want to do our best to to have the look and the feel of, you know, being in a general session ballroom, going to the pre-function meeting space. You know, it's having those fun moments, you know, throughout of, of connecting with people. I love championing women in tech around the world. And one of the things that I feel like we don't do enough as a culture is we don't brag about ourselves enough. So I would love to ask you to celebrate your superpower. What would you say your superpower is? I'd say uh, project management and organization. I have a ability to just see everything going on and, and how things are moving in the cadence and directing people. It's almost like being the conductor. So that's my superpower is organization, execution, and ability to manage multiple, multiple things at once. And in the spirit of championing you, what is the one thing that maybe you don't talk about often enough that you are just so proud of in your professional life? Stick around. We'll be right back after the break. We would not be able to support and celebrate women in tech around the world if it weren't for you. Thank you so much for being a listener and a fan of the show. To contribute and donate, simply go to womenintech.fm on the upper right-hand side and click Donate, which empowers us to continue celebrating women in tech around the world. Thank you for being a part of our journey. What is the one thing that maybe you don't talk about often enough that you are just so proud of in your professional life? I am extremely proud that I have been working for 13 years. You know, since I graduated college, I've been a working professional and I've been in five different positions, all of them very different. I've traveled around the country. I've You know, I was a young meeting planner traveling to destinations I had never been before producing conference. And I'm very proud of the fact, you know, I've built a good reputation. I think people enjoy working with me. And a lot of people that I worked with previously, you know, come along and find themselves, for example, my EA from my position at the investment bank is now she's in between jobs with COVID. So she's helping me with this conference. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. Yeah. And Pujama, this app that I keep talking about, I've used them for for three years. And, um, you know, so a lot of the vendors and the people in the events industry, you know, I'm really proud of the relationships and, you know, the the referrals and, you know, the connection, how that investor connected me to this position. So I would say my reputation and the relationships I've built and just the consistency and loyalty to waking up every morning and, you know, suiting up and showing up. I love that. Uh, Mention the app again, the app that you're talking about in case we want to search it. Yeah. The app is called Jujima and it is a portal where it's a mobile app and it's also on your desktop. 
And it's basically, Milken uses this, Monty Conference uses it. I've used it before when I worked for the investment bank, but it's a way for people to connect one-on-one. It's where the conference schedule is housed. It's where we have a virtual exhibitor booth. This morning, every attendee got an email. We've had 500 plus people sign up for the summit saying, you know, welcome to the mobile app. Here are your login credentials. This is how you're going to access all of the speaking sessions because this is a paid for event. So it's not information that you just want to make open to the public. It's a community and a curated community, you know, that we want to protect. So one of my favorite questions to ask, a couple more questions. One is, it is really hard to produce events, I know. So I think it's amazing that you've produced so many phenomenal events. What is a huge obstacle that you've successfully overcome in your career? I'd say some tough personalities. You know, I've had... um, totally. Yeah. I had a very, very tough boss in one position where I was, you know, traveling a lot and there's a tremendous amount of pressure on me. There was no room to make mistakes. And even if I delivered, I was still almost sick with stress. You know, I'm already a perfectionist and like things, you know, to go seamlessly and as best as possible. But when you don't feel like your management is on your team or has faith in you, that has provided me with a big obstacle and how to handle things like a professional and with grace. You know, that was a huge obstacle for me a while back. Can you give us guidance? I think that's something that we can all relate to. I know I could definitely relate to it as well. Can you give us guidance how you chose to rise above it? And I guess what I'm looking for is, Like, how did you find this self-care while still having, I suppose, compassion for someone else's communication style? You know, like, that's, it's just such a hard circumstance when you're dealing with someone difficult to deal with. How How did you find your best self in that? You know, it was very difficult. And, you know, it was confiding in other people. It was you know, self-care is taking your power back. And I am always a huge advocate of, you know, getting eight hours of sleep and uh, yoga and taking walks. And, you know, if my self-care is not in place, I am not going to be able to perform at my job. A big thing is the power of pause, you know, and not responding. Mm, The power of pause. The power of pause is Huge. And, you know, now I've got a mentor who, you know, we don't work together, but she's a professional, um, has had an incredible career. And I talk to her about once or twice a week and check in and about what's going on. And, you know, last week I had a hard week and over the weekend I connected with her and I regrouped. We talked this morning and I told her how it was going, you know, so I am lucky that I've got a mentor that I check in with on a weekly basis. That takes my temperature, you know, like where was I short? Where was I? You know, what did I do well? You know, how did I handle a certain coworker? How did I handle this situation? So it's one of the most important things is how we handle ourselves and the power of pause, pause 24 hours, you know, slow and steady wins the race. I start working really fast sometimes and, you know, sometimes overlook the small things and I just have to slow things down. You're sharing two things that I think are so essential for us to really absorb First of all, I love that term, the power of pause. It's so against our tech culture that promotes words like hustle, grind, sacrifice. How can we share 
the glory of the power of pause with those people who feel like, no, we have to hustle, grind. <laughs> like, what would you tell those people? You know, it's hard because with technology, we're all online 24-7. There was a day last week I was working around the clock and I was completely burnt out. And I slacked the team and I said, I'm going to be offline for a few hours, you know, just letting you know. And I walked down and I took a swim in the ocean and I came back and I felt like a different person. You know, last night I went four hour walk and I came back. Nothing is more important than taking care of yourself. And it just has to be a priority because if you're not right with yourself or your health or you're dragging, you know, it's going to affect your work. I completely agree. A hundred percent. And I love that you said that. It reminds me that I even need to take that break and go for a swim in the ocean. And you talked about mentorship. You talked about how you have this amazing opportunity to connect with a mentor on a weekly basis. It's a question I get quite often. How do I find a mentor? What kind of three tips would you give someone in finding a mentor? I'll kick it off for us that I think setting boundaries to like what mentorship means for the other person, because just emailing someone saying, will you be my mentor is a little bit too open and vague. So kind of kicking it off in that way. What are three tips that you would give someone in seeking out a mentor? So first I would find somebody that you admire, you know, and study them. You know, this person was somebody that I admired and I saw her from afar for many years. And I just always thought it would be amazing to work with her. It would be amazing to have a relationship with her. And eventually a friend gave me an introduction and the relationship just started out very slow. You know, meeting for coffee, you know, just getting in contact every few weeks the relationship has grown organically now over two years where, you know, now we share with each other and it's a friendship and it's a mentorship. And this person truly wants the best for me. I mean, they were in the music industry for 20 plus years and just an incredible businesswoman. So I would say find somebody that you admire Look for a way to be introduced organically instead of just a cold call or, you know, I think people get a little, you know, when somebody pings me on LinkedIn, you know, I'm not really apt to respond unless I know them and, you know, having that personal relationship and then setting up coffee and, you know, small little gestures and checking in. And, you know, if that person even just picking up the phone and calling. You know, it's like, even if they don't pick up to just leave a message, maybe they might not call you back. You know, my mentor didn't call me back twice this week and I called her again this morning and she was thrilled to talk to me because she was having a busy week. Oh, I love that. Wait, Annie, can you talk about that a little bit? Because it's something I share with people often that just because you don't receive a response, it's not necessarily personal. Correct. So, you know, my mentor is a very busy person and I can't take it personally if, for example, she doesn't get back to me because there's a lot of people that are competing for her time, including her husband and her family. So I checked in, I think on, we had a plan to check in three times this week because she knows it's right before my summit. She said, you know, I'll do my best to talk with you. And I called on Monday. She didn't pick up. I just checked in. I left a message, called on Wednesday, left a message. And today I was a little hesitant. I'm like, do I call? Do I not call? And I ran to Starbucks. And I said, you know what? Let's just try. And I called and she was on her way going to Napa, you know, for a family trip. But she was thrilled to talk to me for five minutes and to catch up and was 
you know, couldn't have been happier. And there was no apology necessary. You know, she didn't, she got my messages. I mean, I can't take things personally, you know, it's just business, but because we have this two year relationship, you know, it's not a big deal. I'm not being a pest. You know, I'm just calling to simply check in and talk for five minutes and just let her know how my week's going. I think it's so important. I remember there was one time that someone had emailed me a lot. Like, I think it was six or 10 times, something a lot. And I hadn't seen any of them. I just hadn't. And it was on that very last one that I saw it. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, I'm so glad your follow-up game is so strong. I really didn't see any of your other messages. I'm not saying to start emailing people so many times, but just the theory of it's not necessarily personal and to know your environment. So the last couple questions, one of my favorites, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten? I heard this the other day. It was surrender to win. You know, you don't have to win every battle. You know, you sometimes you just surrender and it is what it is. You don't always have to be right. You know, it's flexibility. You know, also advice just about, you know, growing up every day, I saw my dad get up and go to work and his work ethic and, you know, just how serious he took work. And I just always knew that I wanted that in that structure. And my advice would be to to just, you know, surrender to certain situations, you know, pausing, waiting 24 hours and mentorship and finding someone you admire. I love that. And I guess that kind of answers the second question, but we'll see. You could say it would be the same. What advice would you give to your 18-year-old self? I would tell my 18-year-old self to not take anything personally. And, you know, it's not about how many times that I get rejected because I have been rejected from jobs, positions, promotions, but to just keep batting, you know, keep trying because there always is a fit. It's just about being resilient. You know, you're always, the universe will always take care of you if you do the footwork. And your favorite tool, and I feel like it would be the app that you were talking about, like your favorite piece of software or tech. I just don't want to make assumptions. What would that be? There's three things I can't live without. And I'd say my MacBook Air, my my cell phone, and my um, espresso maker. So (laughs) (laughs) that counts, man, the espresso maker. Second to last question is how can people connect with you? Sure. So people can connect with me via uh, Twitter at Annie Burford, or they can connect with me on LinkedIn. My email address is Annie at .la. Um, So once this summit is done, I'm always up for networking conversations or coffees. I just love connecting with other professionals. And can you spell your uh, Twitter handle for everybody? Sure. It's at Annie, A-N-N-I-E, Burford, B-U-R, F as in Frank, O-R-D. And we'll include it in the show notes as well. And very last question, I have no idea what the answer is. Have you been on a podcast before? I have not. This is my first one. So exciting. Okay, so the majority of our guests have not been on a podcast before, and I always get so hyped because I feel like it's this really special gift that I get to be a small little 
piece of your journey. So this is to many to come. I always say I hope someone utilizes my podcast to poach all my guests so that we can continue to celebrate extraordinary women in tech around the world. Annie, thank you so much for making time to spend your time with our podcast. If you want to connect and collaborate with more extraordinary women, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show, on Twitter, on Instagram, Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hi, this is Annie Burford from .LA. I am the director of events. .LA is a digital news and events company covering the vibrant startup ecosystem in Los Angeles. We are based in LA. You are listening to Women in Tech. Hi, this is Arlen Hamilton, author of It's About Damn Time, How to Turn Being Underestimated into Your Greatest Advantage. And you're listening to We Are LA Tech. I feel so grateful I've had the privilege of getting an advanced copy of Arlen Hamilton's new book, It's About Damn Time. She is one of the most inspiring venture capitalists I've ever come across. Her story from having absolutely nothing and being completely broke to being one of the most influential venture capitalists in the world blows my mind and her book is insanely well written right when I picked it up I didn't want to put it down she teaches me and us how to become the asset how to be our best selves and how to be a person that not only creates opportunity for ourselves but creates an abundance of opportunity for others I'm so proud to share her book with you and I hope you'll pick it up and I know for sure you'll be just as riveted as I was with each page you turned get it's about damn time at itsaboutdamntime.com. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. Community spotlight coordination by Sarah Tran. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.